Who decides medicine prices? How are vaccines made? Well, hello, and thanks for tuning in to this podcast in a series brought to you by FPIA, the European Federation of Pharmaceutical Industries and Associations, where we're considering what's known as the TRIPS waiver. That's where some of the terms of the agreement on trade-related aspects of intellectual property rights are set aside in order to help fight the COVID-19 pandemic. In June, the World Trade Organization agreed to waive some IP rights of the private sector on COVID vaccines. And now the WTO is considering extending that waiver to cover diagnostics and therapeutics for COVID too. In this podcast, we're focusing on what the medical technology industry, MedTech, think of the proposed waiver extension. My name is Sue Saville, an independent health journalist, and I'm delighted to be joined now by Jesus Rueda, the International Affairs Director General of MedTech Europe, and that is the European Trade Association for the Medical Technology Industry, which includes diagnostics, medical devices, and digital health. Jesus, welcome. Thank you, Sue. It's a pleasure to be here, and I look forward to having our conversation. So tell me, of the members you represent, have you canvassed them? What do they make of this proposed extension of the TRIPS waiver? Well, overall, there is a fairly high level of concern um, when it comes to the question of the extension of the TRIPS waiver. In particular, the diagnostics industry and some of the manufacturers of products such as uh, ventilators that were used extensively in the pandemic are concerned about how this is going forward. So it's definitely a, a question of concern for us. We've been attending the interministerial conferences and following the CHIPS development ever since its conception back in the Doha rounds of negotiations. Um, and so that's something that's clearly an issue for us. But when you talk about concern, why? What specifically are they worried about? Well, what we have seen is that um, there is a strong push from uh, certain NGOs and from certain actors in the healthcare space to push the TRIPS waiver onto diagnostic tests and other uh, therapies. And we are concerned that this is something that, first of all, we're not entirely sure whether it would be necessary, and I can go into that in more detail later, but we're also concerned about the fact that it is almost impossible to have a waiver that is limited to COVID-only technologies. So the moment that a waiver is given, for example, from some of the diagnostic testing technologies, it would expand to cover tests for just about any disease uh, in practice. And I suppose that by definition, perhaps, medtech companies build their businesses out of innovation. So what impact would such a waiver have on innovation, that aspect? Well, um, actually, it's quite interesting because if you look, for example, at the diagnostic tests that were developed for COVID. Um, worldwide, the European Commission has a, a catalog of the tests and over 2,400 were developed. So there's an awful lot of tests that were developed out there. The reason for that is because much of the technology used to develop these tests that were actually deployed during the pandemic is well established and the patents have run out. And so anybody with a competent lab and uh, a little bit of an idea of how to run tests is able to deploy them and develop them. So there is no shortage of developers and tests out there. That has never been an issue. And that's why we don't think that, you know, waiving IP rights for something like this would make a big difference because there's no lack of tests. There's no IP holder that's holding back development of, of tests for something like COVID. 
So the World Trade Organization, when they put into place the original waiver back in June 2022, they said that within six months, members must decide whether to extend it. And those who think it should be extended argue that it will increase access. Uh, but you're saying it's not even necessary or, or possibly damaging. Well, how do we weigh that up? Who should we believe? Well, I mean, it's it's there, there are some valid concerns from the, the folks that are saying that more things need to be done for access. Um, there have been a number of studies that have shown, indeed, that low-income countries have had much more limited access to medical technologies, both IVDs and, and also to ventilators and so on during the pandemic. That is something that is not in doubt. But what we question is whether an IP waiver is the actual solution. I mentioned the issue with the diagnostic tests. Um, there are plenty out there. And in fact, what we have seen is that you're able to develop the tests and deploy them where you have had sufficient investment and a sufficient um, interest overall over the long term in, in the diagnostic capacity of a healthcare system. That's what makes the big difference. The case of ventilators is also quite interesting because one of our, the major companies, one of the major makers of ventilators, early on in the pandemic, actually released the IP for um, ventilators. And, and that got put into the public domain as a gesture of goodwill so that anybody could make the ventilators. And while it did help a little bit, it was not the panacea that you know resolved all the access issues that we were seeing. So based on those two well-established data points, we don't really think that IP is, is the limiting factor here to access medical technologies in, in low-income settings. And it's interesting you use the word goodwill there. Do you think to some extent that the proposed waiver of the extension is about what it looks like, the perception of industries so that people feel that they are being given access uh, in the fallout from this pandemic? Is it all about perception? Um, perception is certainly a part of it. Um, uh, then there are other questions as to, you know, why would some of these actors want access to all these IP waivers? And um, I mean, um, th th there are lots of questions as to how that would develop and what the overall impact would be. Like I said, there is there is a real concern that this would actually trigger um, a broader uh, access to technologies, not simply limited to COVID tests. And your stated mission on your website is to make innovative medical technology available to more people while helping healthcare systems move towards a sustainable path. Are, are those two aims intention where it comes to this waiver, trying to give access but keep keep it sustainable? It, it is a challenge because access and sustainability um, are, are, are our stated goals, but they don't always go hand in hand. So it, it's something that needs to be at times balanced. And we need the times to see how to make it work for the best. Here, what we have seen is that in the middle of a pandemic, we were involved with the ACTA-A accelerator for diagnostics. We were involved with a number of programs to deploy and develop and ensure access to ventilation and other critical care technologies. And the fact of the matter is that in the middle of a pandemic, in the middle of a crisis, it is very difficult to get these things to work. It is very difficult to find the resources and allocate them correctly. It is very difficult to make sure that everyone gets what they need when there is no plan ahead of time. Um, because people go into crisis mode and they, they revert to what they know and to make sure that their people get um, the materials and the, and the healthcare equipment that they need rather than thinking about the whole wide world. 
So what we think is that in order to get this uh, situation resolved and have better access across the world to all of these technologies, two things we've done to prepare much better. One uh, would be in order to have um, a good set of agreements in place and partnerships between industries and uh, public health officials, public health systems, the WHO, in order to uh, allow access across the world for these technologies. And the other is, is really to have mechanisms in place for allocation, because allocation of resources becomes really complicated when there's scarcity. When you have lots of tests out there, for example, at this point, there is no shortage of tests. If you want a test, you can get a test. That was not the case halfway through 2020. There, there was a real scarcity, but there was very little in the way of mechanisms to really share that in an equitable way. And so that's something that um, we need to address in the long term uh, with a situation that prepares us for a crisis rather than trying to resolve it in the middle of a crisis. And how do you best see that being achieved then, that equitable access? Uh, well, there's there's several mechanisms um, that could follow through with this. I think that the World Health Organization would have a key role to play here. I think that um, this has to happen in concert with um, good allocation practices around the world, um, with a dialogue with all of the concerned jurisdictions and all the concerned healthcare systems, to try to establish how the, the the equipment, the materials, the tests, the diagnostics that are available can be distributed worldwide and to prevent situations that we were seeing early on in the pandemic where it was uh, more of a free-for-all at, at some points. And, and this was sometimes irrespective of what manufacturers tried to do. You know, Even if uh, tests were shipped to some countries, they were repackaged and resold somewhere else for a higher price. It was very difficult for manufacturers as such to be the ones that allocated resources. It has to be a much broader negotiation and a much broader discussion um, to make this happen ahead of time. And in all the discussions that are going on about this ahead of uh, an agreement, if that's to be in mid-December, when listening to the concerns of representatives about the therapeutics aspect of this, they, they say one of the issues is it's impossible to confine the therapeutics just to COVID. And you touched on there that repurposing or the fact that so many of the diagnostics or or the med tech kit could be used for other things. So how difficult is that issue in terms of trying to extricate what might be valid for a a pandemic, for COVID, and and what has other uses? Well, in in our case, it is extremely difficult to do so because, you know, Critical care for patients is critical care for patients, whether they're suffering from COVID in a pandemic or whether they are um, uh, suffering from any other condition, you know, be it the flu, be it uh, any other respiratory syndrome. So that's one of the things that we see for acute care. And when it comes to diagnostics, the situation is a little bit similar in that the technologies used to develop um, these diagnostic tests, they are not technologies that are specific to COVID. You could use the same technologies to develop tests for just about any disease out there that could be um, detected through their their, their DNA or or through the antibodies that are generated against them. So if you are not in favour of the extension of the waiver, what would you like to see happen about this on perhaps a, a global level or a European level or indeed even a national level? How should it be addressed? Well, this is something that can only realistically be addressed 
uh, ideally at a global level, but at least at a regional level, um, in order to ensure that there is um, adequate agreements and adequate supplies in place. We have no problem um, with having discussions uh, and, and, and agreements and partnerships to enable uh, other countries to produce their own diagnostics, if that's what they wish to do. We can work that out. That there's no, there's no intrinsic barrier to that. It's just that in the middle of a crisis, it's very difficult to do that because the experts that can actually provide that expertise are really busy trying to get the diagnostics out the door in the middle of the crisis. So that's something that we can prepare for ahead of time. Uh, I think that much of this could be covered by the pandemic treaty that's being discussed and negotiated and talked about in depth. And I know that, I mean, I've been part of pandemic preparedness since back when the H1N1 flu came out. So this is something that is much wanted and much talked about, but it needs to be properly financed. It needs to be properly addressed and it needs to be um, a priority, which it really hasn't been until we got hit by COVID. So you've got great experience there, Jesus, in planning for pandemics, for looking ahead for the diagnostics. Let us into a secret. What's around the corner? What What's coming up? Well, I mean, it's it's very hard to actually predict what is going to come up. But um, the things that we're contending with and, and, and thinking could be um, future pandemics could be, first of all, another respiratory virus, similar to what COVID has been, either from the same family or from a different family, because they tend to be very transmissible and, and therefore um, propens to causing pandemics. Um, another option that's Kind of scary is the possibility of having somebody from the a virus from the Ebola or or, or Marburg family um, become a little bit more infectious and a little bit less deadly, so that it would transmit itself in the population more efficiently, and that could definitely lead to a to a very dangerous wave of pandemics. But for me, potentially the most scary proposition is having a situation where we have a a multi-drug resistant bacteria that then becomes the source of a new pandemic. Something like, for example, multi-drug resistant tuberculosis could be extremely difficult to control. And in fact, um, if you don't have antibiotics, tuberculosis is a very, very difficult disease to manage and to treat. And that's, that's something that we all have to be very wary of coming forward. Gosh, thank you. So the medtech industry working away on that. Jesus Rueda of Medtech Europe, it's been really interesting discussing this with you. Thank you. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure and I hope it helps. Yes, thank you. And for our audience, there are more podcasts in this series on the proposed extension of the TRIPS waiver. So do click the subscribe button to be the first to know when we release another episode. Do leave a rating and a review. Meanwhile, bye for now.